This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Cole Upton, uh, whose Lost Wagon Wheel Ranch in San Joaquin Valley has many different crops, but he is uh, the nation's largest nut grower. And when I went out to his farm, I was like, and here I am, the granddaughter of a, a corn grower. And I'm looking at his corn kernels. And I'm like, why are these so big? I mean, I really felt like I've been doing this for 20 years. He's like, because those are for corn nuts, like what you buy in the store. America's farmers are facing some very real challenges right now. Wildfires, drought, loss of farmland, and a history of discrimination. In this episode, we look more closely at these issues. On the topic of discrimination, recent data shows that farmers of color received only 0.1% of the 2020 COVID-19 relief for farmers. On the topic of drought, the state of California faces water shortages, restrictions, and a change of farming practices to meet the crisis. Wildfires are damaging farmland, too. And farmers are aging. Over one-third of American farmers are over the age of 65. In the past two decades, America has lost 11 million acres of farmland to development. What does all this mean? Is there hope? Our food is linked to obesity, climate change, workers' rights, and so much more. Every bite of food we chew has a story. I'm Amber Stott, food activist and founder of the nonprofit Food Literacy Center. I've worked with legislators, school districts, farmers, and chefs to rewrite the story of our food and improve my community. I want to inspire more people to become food activists. So I've invited my mentors and the activists who inspire me to share their stories and their tips on how to improve our food choices, our communities, and our planet. It's time we understand the story behind the food we eat and the impact our food choices have on our health, the environment, and our economy. It's time to start raising kale. I speak with Kara Heckert, a regional director at the nonprofit American Farmland Trust. Its mission is to save America's farms and ranches. Kara works there on agricultural sustainability and natural resource conservation in California. Kara, welcome to Raising Kale. Thank you. It's great to be here. Well, first, for folks that have never heard of it before, um, describe what American Farmland Trust is. American Farmland Trust is a national nonprofit. We've been in existence for 40 years and we have a three part mission and that is to promote environmental sound practices, protect our land and support a new generation of farmers. And we work from what we say kitchen tables to Congress on policies and programs to support our farmers and agricultural systems. We have um, 
our headquarters in Washington, D.C., and six regions across the country where we deliver programs on the ground, and California is one of them. That's great. I love it. From kitchen table, say that one again. Kitchen table, kitchen to, table Congress. to Congress. So directly with the farmer of Congress advocating for food and farming. That's great. And and how did you get into this career? What's Give us a little bit of background on you. No, that's a really good question. Thanks for asking. Well, I grew up in California in Napa County, so uh, in the wine industry, but my family actually wasn't in it. But I am the, the granddaughter of a, a dairy and corn farmer uh, from Nebraska. My mom was from Nebraska and was a farm girl. So it's definitely in my, my roots to work with farmers and with soil. And then uh, about 20 years ago, I graduated from Sonoma State University in environmental studies and biology, and just happened to start working at a local resource conservation district in Sonoma County that got me working directly with farmers. And I've really been doing that work ever since, you know, working on programs that help them be more sustainable, deal with the changing climate and support and protect local farmland. And I am um, it's a very complex world and I really, I really enjoy it because agriculture really touches every part of our life and every part of society. And it's very complicated. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, and that's kind of why I started this podcast because our food system is so complex and being able to break it down for folks is so important. Um, but yeah, so do you have a story you could share, um, you know, from those early days when you were first experiencing what it was like to work in agriculture and something that maybe sparked a, a little place in your heart where you're like, yeah, this is for me. I'm sticking around. Well, I really like the intersection of agriculture and the environment. And so I remember early in my days, you know, working a lot with grape growers in the Russian River watershed, which is where I still live now, and working with them on projects to help in in stream flow and habitat improvements for coho salmon. Uh -huh. And what I loved about those experiences were how excited the farmers were to bring the fish back mm -hmm. and how much they were like fishermen and stewards of the land and also vintners and agricultural product producers. And people really like to um, think that we're very far apart between ag agriculture and the environment, but really both sides of the fence want a lot of the same thing. So I don't really have a specific story, but I would say that I really resonate with being, you know, a bridge builder between differing interests to address complex issues. And I love the human element of it because there's just so many good people out there trying to do the right thing. So that's really uh, what grounds me in the more difficult parts of the job. <laughs> sure, sure. Which we'll, we will get into. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, let's, I guess, let's just jump in and start with one of those, um, the pandemic. How has that affected farmers? Well, I think, uh, we can see it from anywhere from farm workers on the front line have been uh, impacted health-wise. Um, I don't think people realize how much farm workers continue to work through pandemic conditions, drought conditions, wildfire conditions while everyone else is at home and safe. So our farm workers have been impacted. Our food supply has been impacted. So I'm sure that you've read or, or discussed how we have kind of broken parts of our, our food system and food supply chain where we have excess milk that's being dumped or, you know, uh, vegetable crops that are uh, having to go uh, 
spoiling out in the field because we don't have the market to bring them to. So when restaurants closed down, there was a lot of small growers that were maybe supplying fruits and vegetables that didn't have anywhere to sell them except for their local farmer's market, which also had restrictions. I think for the general public, we did see a change in prices for food, if you really looked at it, and also availability. And I, you know, I always say in, in California, we're so spoiled with how much access we have to amazing food 365 days a year. You can go to the grocery store and get whatever you want. And sometimes that leads for us not appreciating it. And I think the pandemic was a time when people started to see some empty shelves. They started to see the impact of not enough workers or, you know, not enough crop from various, you know, various reasons related to that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so food is such a, an important part of a resilient community, having local farmers and agriculture nearby and, and being able to understand these very complex systems that, that led to something like our, our grocery shelves being empty, um, that we just sort of take for granted, but I think not anymore. So it's, 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 um, the silver lining, right. That, uh, yeah. folks are beginning to want to understand these issues a little bit better. Absolutely. So, yeah. Um, and, and you touched on this a little bit, but let's let's talk about it uh, even deeper, you know. So it's not just the pandemic that farmers are facing. You know, in California, we've got the triple whammy of wildfires that are destroying farmland. Um, we're in another drought. So, you know, um, talk about what you're seeing and how our farmers are are getting through some of these really complex crises. Yeah. I always like to lead with some optimism because I think if you read the headlines, it can just sound devastating and totally insurmountable. And for some people it is. So, you know, farmers have dealt with drought before. We've dealt with the Dust Bowl before in the Midwest, but this is a historic drought. Um, I've spoken to farmers that are 60, 70, 80 years old that have said they have never seen anything like this in their lifetime. So never seen wells going dry so early in the season, um, fallowing fields, uh, selling off herds of cattle because they don't have the, the food supply for them because of drought conditions. So there's a lot of pivoting going on to change and adapt to that. And some people are exiting farming or they're leaving California. Um, we also have you know water regulations that I think um, are stringent, but also, you know, and this is a little controversial to say, but also maybe necessary. You know, the Sustainable Groundwater Management Act, SIGMA is a big one of those that is really coming into play and is really gonna change the way we manage our groundwater in local communities. And it's something we need to do because we're having land subsidence, but it's, um, it's a hard with? pill to swallow. Can you explain what land subsidence is for folks that well, the, the land is sinking? The land is sinking. So we're we're losing land. The elevation of the land is literally dropping. And you know, people have heard some stories about that in the San Joaquin Valley, but it's due to groundwater depletion and overpumping of the groundwater aquifer. Yeah. Um, and so some of these things need to happen, and we really need um local help on the ground. We need funding from the state of California, which you know the the governor is just passing the budget now, and um, we need local liaisons to farmers like folks at local conservation districts or UC Cooperative Extension or even our organization that can 
help them navigate some of these changes so they can keep their farming systems viable. And so they can make that pivot to adjust to climate change or, or drought or other conditions. And what are some of the adjustments? Well, some of the adjustments may be looking at uh, as simple as their water use and water management. There's still more that we can do in that arena, what they're doing around irrigation or micro irrigation or um, deploying healthy soils practices that help retain more water in the soil. Um, they're certainly looking at different kinds of crops that are as not as water intensive, but you know, anytime you talk with a farmer or rancher about that, you know, it has to be economically viable so that there needs to be, you know, continued exploration and research around what those crops could be. And, you know, UC Davis and many others are doing a lot of that research, but it's not just, it's not as easy as saying, well, just, just change your, your crop type and, you know, rip that out and plant it in. Cause it could be five years before they could, uh, really have a return on that investment. So those, those are some of the things. And I would also say, you know, potentially temporarily following or retiring part of their farm or ranch for another kind of use for wildlife habitat or groundwater recharge. So they can maybe focus on the other parts of their, their land as far as agricultural production. Yeah, a lot of big changes, absolutely, as the climate changes and our environment changes. And what about all the wildfires? What about all the wildfires? Well, I think think that it's the new normal, you know, and every year we hear it's the worst year. And, you know, I I personally have evacuated four times in the last five years, Uh, not this year yet. Um, And I think that one thing that we don't talk about with with advocating for farmland protection, because we don't, um, to be honest, we don't invest enough in that in the state. We're still losing 50,000 acres farm and ranch land every year. And I think it's another one of those things of being in such abundance that we don't realize we're losing it. It's like a death by a thousand cuts kind of thing that's happening. But protecting our irrigated farmland and our well-managed grazing land is actually a wildfire prevention tool. In Sonoma County, even a couple years ago, the fires actually stopped or slowed down at well-managed grazing land or irrigated cropland. So I think I'm answering your question a little indirectly with advocacy for farmland protection, but I would also say farmers have been really impacted. I mean, grapes can be impacted by the smoke and they're not viable as a, as a crop. Uh, for that year. So there's been some loss in the in the industry there. Also labor shortages due to putting farmers out in conditions. So lots of things. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, folks that aren't in California may not understand that piece that, you know, the actual air quality, not just near the fires, but it stretches for from city to city throughout the state of California when we have a fire. Um, for example, in Sacramento this morning, we woke up, um, there are fires all around and and our air was smoke filled, right? And so it's unhealthy to be outside and, and these farm laborers are continuing to go to work every day. Um, and, you know, some may have asthma or other, other health conditions. So it really is, um, it, it's a challenge. Yeah, and we need to put the protections in place and provide, you know, support services and and funding from locally and statewide to protect those farm workers. It's just really they are the backbone of California agriculture. So I I like that in one way, I guess another silver lining 
um, is that some of that has been highlighted through the pandemic and through wildfires. It's, here's the frontline workers that we need to be paying attention to. These are human beings whose health we need to protect, who are supporting our communities and food system. Yeah, absolutely. And um, you brought up the land protection, and that was initially the reason that American Farmland Trust was started, right? So talk about um, what is happening with the loss of farmland. Well, yeah, that was really the genesis of AFT, American Farmland Trust, was the loss of the dairy farms in, in upstate New York. And that, that was kind of, that was the group of people, the Rockefellers and others that saw that happening in their backyard and were really alarmed by that. So, you know, we're losing um, a lot of farmland um, all throughout all throughout the country. There's definitely hot spots. you know, California's Central Valley and our San Joaquin Valley has always been the area of the greatest farmland loss. And we did a report way back in the day called um, Farming on the Edge, where we identified the hot spots all throughout the country of where we were losing the most farmland. And we, the San Joaquin Valley was, was number one. And that's actually where we had our first office was in Visalia, mm -hmm. California to, to address those issues. So we are also an agricultural land trust. And so we, um, have really been on the forefront of knowledge and innovation around agricultural conservation easements, which are a critical farmland protection tool, and promoting federal and state policies and programs for agricultural conservation easement purchasing. American farmland is critical. After this short break, we're going to find out how to save it. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. 
Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. I don't know that everybody understands how trust or an easement works and and how this really benefits um, farmers and and what happens to that land. So as as someone is thinking about retiring and you don't want them to sell that land for yet another shopping mall, um, how does this process work? Yeah, and that that it is a it's a really important critical tool, and it's more critical now than ever because we're looking at a tremendous transition of land over the next ten years. I mean, the estimates are, you know, something like three hundred and seventy million acres are going to transfer hands over the next ten years, and there's a generational shift happening where a lot of the folks that are retiring yeah. now. Their children don't want to go into farming. It's too hard. The cost of land is too difficult. So an agricultural conservation easement is a critical tool because it keeps the land in farming in perpetuity, in farming or ranching. So in California, that primarily works out where we we fundraise to purchase the conservation easement and the um, extinguishing of development rights for the property um, from a farmer or rancher. So we could bring in some public funding. We just did this um, in the San Joaquin Valley with some high-speed rail mitigation funding where we got the landowner, um, we purchased their conservation easement, put a conservation easement on their property, and it's going to be forever in farming. And our other goal was that their farm also had a lot of, uh, they were very good stewards of the land and they had high groundwater recharge potential on the property as well. So permanently protected forever, but it is a commitment on the landowner's end. And, and you know, not everyone is comfortable with that, but we are huge advocates of it. Um, AFT, uh, by promoting other agricultural land trusts and through our own land deals, has protected over 6.5 million acres across the country in our history. So no small feat. So important. And do you know any of those farmers? Have you visited any of those farms? I have. Tell us. Tell us about one. Um, I will tell you about Cole Upton, uh, who's Lost Wagon Wheel Ranch, and he is um, in Merced County in San Joaquin Valley, has many different crops, but he is uh, the nation's largest corn nut grower. And when (laughs) I went out to his farm, I was like, and here I am, the granddaughter of a, a corn grower and I'm looking at his corn kernels and I'm like, why are these so big? I mean, I really felt like I've been doing this for 20 years. He's like, cause those are for corn nuts, like what you buy in the store. And so that's just one of the many crops that he grows. He also has owl and bird boxes. He does groundwater recharge practices and he wanted, he wants to keep his land in, in farming forever. And that's so we're fantastic. working with him um, to protect his land forever through a conservation easement. So that is what it's all about right there. Yeah. And what state was this? This is here in, Mer- in Merced County, just a, you know an hour south of Sacramento. Who knew the corn nuts are coming out of Merced County? That's Who amazing. Knew? 
Well, <laughs> San Joaquin Valley, California, you know, produces two thirds of our, our fruits and nuts and vegetables for the whole country. So cornucopia. Yeah. And it's all so fun because I, you know, I've been visiting our farmer's market weekly for over 20 years. And every time I find something new, every time our farmers are so innovative and they're growing such unique crops that it really is worth preserving because, you know, it's, it's our nourishment. It's, it's also our joy, right? To have this, this food that's just grown in our backyards. And there are so many crops that are grown in California that aren't grown anywhere else in the country, and in some cases, anywhere else in the world. And, you know, that's what concerns me about losing the farmland the way that we are is because once it's gone, it's gone forever. It's not, you know, a reversible kind of thing. And when I'm thinking about farmers markets and how much, uh, like you said, there's so much there. And there's folks that are trying to get into farmers markets and there's just not enough space. So there's there's people in line too, waiting to get their product out there. And what are some of those crops that are only grown in California? Some of the Asian vegetables and some of the herbs that we grow. And some I'm definitely thinking along the lines of vegetables yeah. and, and perhaps some of the nuts. And it is fascinating how much is here. We have, we have rice here. We have the canned tomato products. We have so many of the kale. Uh-huh. Exactly. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, 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 the abundance is is there. And so, you know, seeing our farmers up against so much right now, um, you know, it's 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 great that these issues are being brought to light more and more. Um, sad that it's through the lens of these disasters. Um, hopefully we can, um, you know, begin to prioritize it outside of that lens as well. Absolutely. And I mean, one, one more thing I would say on that is that I think that supporting our local agriculture and farmland needs to be looked at as a public health issue. Mm. And, and some people do see it that way. You know, local food is certainly seen as, you know, healthier for children and adults, but local farming is better for the climate. Keeping farmland acres and farmland versus converting to urban is much fewer greenhouse gas emissions. There's all sorts of intrinsically beneficial things that happen and I think unless we directly tie to protecting farmland to public health benefits, we may continue to um, see our the farmland loss the way it is. So that's my, you know, that's my next, uh, <laughs> my, that's my campaign. <laughs> Yeah, well, and it's it's um, very hopeful to me as well that the state of California for the first time has a farm to school program and has funded grants because, you know, school meals, those are largely being served to kids who are food and nutrition insecure. And that increases the amount of local California food that's going into school lunch. So, yeah, we're definitely seeing some programs that are thinking along those same lines of public health like you. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's a very sad irony to me that our some of our most productive regions of the state are also our largest food deserts. So it is really encouraging to see that kind of program in California. It was long overdue, and I uh, appreciate the champions of that. Absolutely. There's some more hard issues that are behind the story of farming. You know, there's there's an acknowledgement on the American Farmland Trust website that goes into great detail about things like 
exploitive labor practices, barriers to accessing federal and private programs, loan discrimination, a lot of injustices throughout our history in America of folks that are BIPOC, and hopefully folks know what BIPOC is, that's Black, Indigenous, people of color. The resources when it comes to agriculture and farming, whether those be land, loans, we tend to see the majority of that going to white farmers. You know, why is American Farmland Trust acknowledging this? And what are you seeing? And do you have hope? Yeah, those are big questions and and really important questions. I mean, I think uh, American Farmland Trust is acknowledging it as a a leader in the ag and conservation movement, and also because we need to do more. Um, We need, you know, we are in the halls of Congress. We are in a lot of political landscapes, and we are working to advocate for federal farm bill dollars um, we wrote the conservation title or helped to wrote the first conservation title of the, the farm bill um, way back in the day. So we have influence and we need to use it for more equality for all farmers and ranchers across the country. And I think um, it's really not a non-debatable issue whether or not it's happening anymore or whether or not it's happened. And that needs to be put to rest. I mean, you look at the statistics All you have to do is look at the statistics of different funding programs. It's very obvious that it's very, very slanted. And it is um, predominantly white men, actually, because there's also, um, you know, we have a Women for the Land program that's a national initiative that's also in California. And it, it aims to address those disparities in resources that are provided to women in agriculture or even the fact that they just, uh, you know, have maybe been left the land because their husband passed away or they were um, and they weren't brought in into the business conversations. They weren't brought in as equals. And now they are left with a farmer ranch and need help in navigating that. Um, as you said before, the whole BIPOC uh, farmers and ranchers, I mean, the statistics are, are very stark. Um, everyone needs to be doing more. And. I do have hope. Um, I am cautiously optimistic. I'm not going to be Pollyanna about it because I think it's a lot of, you know, it's a lot of bureaucratic systems that have to change that intentionally and unintentionally have created these biases. And I think that's the fair statement to make and that things have to change in, in how we talk to people to offer these programs how we reach the people, how we go to them rather than having them come to us because they have to lose a day's wages and they're a small family farm and they they can't lose a day's wages to come and hear about the latest funding program to help them stay in farming. So there's all sorts of things that have to happen from the kitchen table to Congress uh, to change it. And it's going to take time. And I think AFT has a responsibility. to be a player in that and and to listen because we are um, not on the front line of working with those communities historically and we want to help but we want to acknowledge that we haven't been in that space working with those communities and uh, really want to respect who has been and offer what support we can and that means listening. 
yeah, it's um, a lot of complex issues that you are addressing, not just here in California, but certainly some of this is many of this um, issues are also at the federal level. And so, um, you know, uh, it's it's good that there is acknowledgement and that there are steps being taken. Um, and yeah, just uh, this this podcast alone, I think, hopefully paints a picture of, you know, how complex and um, also interwoven many of these issues are, you know, there, you can't um, address one without addressing several of the others as well. So, um, you know, like you mentioned with um, women in equity is also a a land issue. And so, yeah, I think um, it's really important to understand the various levels that we are are working with here in this in this uh, country, so yeah, thank you for for sharing your perspective on that. Um, what do you feel like folks at home can be doing? Um, you know, there's so so much happening here, and in season one of of raising kale, um, we talked to a lot of folks who said, you know, we really want consumers to get to know their local farmer and shop at farmers markets. Mm-hmm. Um, why is that advice helpful and and how can consumers like what should they be looking for when they're doing that yeah that's a good question i mean i certainly say the same thing i mean it's a kind of like vote with your wallet also um i think you know it really is as simple as you know, shopping at your farmer's market does make a a tremendous amount of difference. Um, But it's also um, shopping at your other local grocery stores that are are family owned. And that that doesn't mean that I am, uh, you know, against more more corporate um, stores, but I think that you need to look at the products and where they came from. I mean, it's really that simple. Think about how, how far your food has traveled to get to you and and everything that that requires. So I mean, even visualize it in your mind. Okay, so this is this uh this loaf of bread is from Timbuktu. Okay, so it took 12 airplanes to get here and 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 all the emissions that in the air quality that was impacted by that. And then they it had to get into a truck and then it had to get, you know, delivered and just think it through a little bit and and choose your your products really wisely. Um I do think that's the the number one thing that people can do, but, you know, also like with any, you know, complex issue, you know, just educating yourself on, on what the issues are. And, you know, I hope that an organization like AFT and many others can help. Um, You know, I think one of the biggest challenges we have is taking very complex issues and putting them into digestible soundbite kinds of things, which is one of the things you're trying to do with your podcast. I mean, we need to work hard as you know industry professionals to take very complex technical issues and make them digestible to the public. Otherwise, that's not going to resonate. What I hope the public does is read about it and educate themselves. And then I would also say um, the local restaurants you go to and the local restaurants that you support are really important in supporting local agriculture and uh, choosing those local places that are local food and um, even have maybe a sustainability uh, aspect to how they're running their restaurant, you know, from an environmental point of view, um, 
I don't know if you've heard of Zero Foodprint, but I can't quite explain exactly what they do, but I would just say that their support of, you know, healthy soils out in the field through what they're doing through the restaurants that they work with is just a, it's a great model of places that are supported by the public. All, all great tips. And, uh, and I agree. I hope that uh, listeners have, have, you know, we just barely scratched the surface of a lot of really complicated issues today. So hopefully folks, you know, are interested in learning more and will have resources. Of course, American Farmland Trust has resources on their website uh, where you can get a little deeper into these issues. And, and I hope that you will, because uh, there's so much there. And, and, you know, this is just California. We, we tapped into so imagine what's happening across the rest of the country so thank you so much Kara for your time today and um, thanks for being a kale raiser and advocating for our farmers out there thank you so much for having me our farmers are facing so many challenges I'm glad people like Kara are fighting to make things better for farmers please be sure to check out American Farmland Trust to stay up to date on these issues And thanks so much for listening. Please help spread the word about these inspiring kale raisers by sharing this episode and rating the podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can support this podcast by donating to Food Literacy Center. Your donations allow us to provide free hands-on cooking classes to low-income elementary schools. Next week is our final episode of season two. I have saved one of my favorite interviews for last. I speak with the founder of League of Kitchens, a company that offers cooking classes led by immigrant women. You'll hear about cuisines from India to Afghanistan. You'll meet a new food hero in every episode. Next time on Raising Kale. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.